This is Spiritual Principles for Emotional Healing with Dr. Denise Johnson, a show dedicated to the integration of spirituality, faith, mental health, and emotional wellness. I believe where your spirit leads, your emotions, power, and destiny will follow. Welcome to the show, everyone. You are listening to Spiritual Principles for Emotional Healing, and I am your host, Christian emotional wellness expert and licensed mental health professional, Dr. Denise Johnson. And the excellent topic for today's show is teletherapy or e-therapy. And my guest is mental health professional Denise Hill from Treasure Chest Work in Delray Beach, Florida. Denise Hill received her bachelor's degree in human services in 2010 from Judson University in Rockford, Illinois, and her master's degree with a concentration in marriage and family in 2016 from Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia. She received her Certified Addiction Profession Certificate in 2013 and her Certified Electronic Therapist Certificate in 2016 from the Florida Certification Board. She has worked in substance abuse since 2002. With over 17 years of experience, her roles have included behavioral health technician, school liaison, crisis intervention coordinator, residential manager, clinical activities coordinator, case manager, and therapist. She currently has a private practice where she provides telehealth therapy via the phone or video in the state of Florida. Her passion for serving others is born from personal experiences, and she uses those adversities as stepping stones to help others work through their own issues, find their strength and voice, find the courage to live through their pain, and work towards their desired potential. She uses an eclectic approach, including cognitive behavioral therapy and motivational interviewing, but her main focus is on family therapy. In her practice, she works with individuals, couples, and families. Well, Ms. Hill, it is my absolute delight and pleasure to have you as a guest on the show today, and I want to thank you for the openness of your heart and spirit to share with me and my guest today about this very important topic. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful to be here. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Well, I am just going to jump into the first question, which is, can you tell us some about your personal history? Yes. So I'm originally from Chicago, and okay. I'm a middle child. I love right. to read, and I've always been a curious person. Mm-hmm. And I was raised in a family back in the 70s. I was born in the 60s, right? So raised back in the 70s, and there was a lot of struggle. And so okay. I had some uh, role models in my family and their passion. I'm I'm sure mm-hmm. awakened something in me. And Wonderful. as I grew up and got older, I just knew 
I wanted to help people. I knew as a child I would be a teacher, preacher, or a counselor. I can't explain <laughs> why, but it's the it. spirit is something about it. And yes. to have turned into this, have become here to be this, what I am today is truly a blessing. Excellent. So you touched on it a little bit, but can you tell us a little more about your spiritual history? Yes. So I was raised in a religious family. And grandma, it was so important for her that we go to church. And I was in the Mm -hmm. choir and we would travel to different churches. And it wasn't until I grew up where I felt the need to differentiate spirituality and religion. And what I realized is that I'm more of a spiritual being with an intimate relationship where I take my time and nurture my relationship with God. And the spirituality component just evolves me as a person, as a human being, and just makes me more centered and puts me in a position to see the best in others and seek to help them even if they're struggling. Excellent, excellent. And, you know, I think that so many of us out in the audience can identify with what you're saying in that we may have been raised one way by our families who planted the seeds, but I think that for each adult, one of our developmental milestones is figuring out what spirituality means for us, right, as individuals. So I appreciate that about your story because I think so many of us can identify with that. You touched on it a little bit, but I'm going to ask how your personal and spiritual histories, how have they shaped you as a person, and then how do they contribute to exactly what you're doing today? Well, being raised, like I say, with a spiritual background, it helped me to come to believe in something greater. And in coming to believe in something greater, it challenged me to question what I was taught, what I thought I believed in, and what I thought I was wanted, what I wanted to be a part of, right? Okay. And I followed a lot of what I thought was the right way. It it helped me. And through the journey, what I've had to do, like I said, I had to change it and define it for myself, but I more so had to get to a place where I became so focused on what's important to me that I put my all into it regardless to what was going on around me. Because the hardest part in standing, right, in the midst of a crowd is to be an individual. And I was determined to be an individual. Excellent. Excellent. I love that. So can you tell me a little bit specifically about what made you decide to go into the counseling field? Like was there like a pivotal experience or an aha moment Mm -hmm. that uh, made you decide to be a counselor per se? That is a wonderful question. Dr. I'm glad. <laughs> so I'm glad. I can let me first, like I mentioned earlier, I was I, I knew as a child that I would be a teacher, preacher, or a counselor. Yes. My life journey basically was preparing me because okay. I am a recovering addict. I have okay. been through a lot of tumultuous situations that forced me to find my strength through the adversity from selling drugs to using drugs to being a teen mom to dropping out of high school to being in abusive relationships to being molested to uh, jumping on people, right, to bullying people because I became a bully after a while. And what happened was I was forced to look at who I want to be and how do I want to live because that didn't dictate who Denise was. Those were just some circumstances that I had to go through, which at the time I didn't know 
but they were actually preparing me for my profession. So I get to, yes, I get to use, as I learned years ago, my mess has become my message. So I get to share (laughs) that with others in helping them navigate through their own issues. Yes. Oh, you know, it is so exciting to me to hear you say that because I think a lot of times the public has this idea that if if you're a therapist or if you're a doctor, your life must have been perfect. You know, Mm -hmm. you were always Mm -hmm. good in school. You've got all the answers. You never had problems. And the reality is nothing could be further from the truth. Mm -hmm. I have found that those of us that are the best therapists usually are the ones that have had the most intimacy with our own pain. And, um, mm-hmm. and I think that's what makes somebody an excellent counselor or an excellent therapist or an excellent helper. Um, it, it is be, right? It's being able to yeah. take your own pain and, and the lessons that you have learned and then passing that on along to somebody else. So I just mm-hmm. love that about your story. And, you know, I think it also encourages anybody out there in our audience who is just struggling and who feels that they have hit rock bottom and who feels that they, that they are worthless and that their life has been a waste, I'm going to say, no, it's not, because yes. nothing is wasted in the economy mm-hmm. of God. Nothing yes. is wasted in the economy of the Spirit. All mm-hmm. things do truly work together for good if you yes. have the courage and the support because I'm also going to say we all need to have that one person or one situation that a lot of times pulls us up and out um, of, the, of the desperation of what we've been going through. So I love that mm-hmm. about your story. Thank you. So then why don't you tell us what exactly is teletherapy and how did you become interested in teletherapy per se? So... Let me start with what it is first. Okay. So it's definitely a new modality, and yes. it serves as a, a, a stepping stone to help people deal with life issues similar to traditional counseling. The okay. difference is it's through the phone or through Skype or through okay. teleconferencing, or sometimes okay. people will do text messages or emails. Okay. And how I got introduced to it is I really wasn't even looking for it. It's amazing how things just fall into your lap. And the gift is I was ready when it came, even though I wasn't looking for it. So when the information (laughs) presented itself, (laughs) I was able to navigate it enough to look at, is this something I'm capable of doing? I had the credentials for it. And I just took a leap of faith, and here we are today. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? And, you know, it's so funny to me because, you know, I grew up in the 60s. And so, you know, I myself, I'm very old school when it comes to traditional psychotherapy. And so Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of us old timers, the idea of doing therapy, you know, in a new and modern way, it, it just blows our minds, you know. Because mm-hmm. we have been so steeped in the fact that good therapy has to be face-to-face. But, you know, I'm yes. going to tell you, so, so my daughter is a millennial, and to her, 
you know, she would much rather do the therapy over the internet or over the phone. You know, to mm-hmm. her, the, idea, the idea of like having to go to an office for an hour every week when you can do it from the convenience of wherever you are, I mean, <laughs> yeah. this, new, this new generation has a new view, uh, you know, about how you connect with people. I think a lot because of social media, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, I was just going to say, and with you saying that, the the times have definitely changed from when we were growing up. And yes. they are more about the microwave, quicker, easier, <laughs> let's get it done way. <laughs> yes. So funny. So then you touched on it a little bit, but what are the benefits of teletherapy for the client? Well, that's another good question. So there's definitely a lot of benefits for the clients. So some of them starts with accessibility because the most you get, right, you get to pick up the phone, you get to call, and it's Mm kind of like where you're at and what you're looking to do and the person on the other end having that space and that um, timing open for you, right? Then another one is convenience because the therapist and the client, right, you get to correspond in so many different ways and stuff, so you're not really limited to the nine-to-five like yes. the traditional therapist offices may have. Affordability right. definitely is another one, right, because the pricing definitely is not as much as a traditional therapist would be. Okay. So it okay. may help navigate some of the financial uh, pressures. Another yes. one is um, the social stigma. Right, it okay. removes it yes. out the way because a lot yes. of people struggle with the image of what it looks like if you go to that right. place. Right, and um, also another benefit is anonymity. Yeah, regardless to what you look like, nobody sees you. You know, no matter what's going on, nobody has to look at you. But you get to yes. explore and express some areas that you may be a little guarded to share if you're sitting face to face with yes. someone. And one more I'll add is the variant ways to communicate, like I shared earlier, from whether it's phone, whether it's Skype, whether it's texting, whether it's emailing. So those become different avenues to empower the individual that may be seeking therapy. Yes, and, you know, I love that idea because I agree with you. I think that the price and the stigma keeps a lot of people from seeking the help that maybe they need. But mm-hmm. uh, I can see how this could be a vehicle to, to help overcome that and to give people mm-hmm. that don't usually have access uh, the ability to, to reach out for help. So I love that. That's wonderful. Yes. yes. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. It, it takes therapy out of the realm for, I'm going to say, usually you think of the elite client you know, mm-hmm. having the means mm-hmm. and the ability to go to, to therapy. But this kind of makes it feel like everyday people, regular people, uh, yes. reach out and, and do this. Definitely. And with you saying that, Dr. Denise, one thing I just want to add to that is in the African-American community, I know I was taught that you keep your problems to yourself. You don't talk about right. it to nobody outside right. the house, and you deal with it as best yes. you can. Yes. Well, that served a purpose until it didn't serve a purpose anymore. Oh, and you're right. I had to do some work so I could heal in areas yes. that was generationally passed on to me, and that yes. solution wasn't enough 
for me to be yeah. my best self. So seeking out therapy yeah. for me was one of the greatest gifts. I call it a hidden treasure, hence treasure yeah. chest work. It's a hidden treasure that people yes. get to explore. Oh, excellent, excellent. So what are the benefits of teletherapy for the therapist? Well, some of the benefits for the teletherapist is the individual connection because the person is more vulnerable, right? And they're they're opening the door, kind of like allowing you to come in and trying to see what they can work with if you're able to help them. We get to meet people where they're at, right? We get to meet them where they're at, whatever that looks like, whether it's fear, insecurity, doubt, or just curiosity, right? Because they they come in more vulnerable looking at or looking for something. The flexibility is definitely a benefit, right? Because we get to, I'm such an early person. Sometimes I offer sessions at 6 a.m. I love that. Yes, and sometimes there's some at 9 p.m., and stuff. Okay. So that's the gift in, in being flexible. And also definitely more time for personal business if you're doing it. Like you may have something else to do that you get to yes. run in between sessions to take care of and still yes. be available for the client. Yes, I love that. So it frees up time for the therapist as well. Definitely, definitely. Excellent, excellent. Well, I think this is the perfect place for a break. Please join us after the break when my guest, licensed mental health professional, Denise Hill from Treasure Chest Work in Delray Beach, Florida, will talk more about teletherapy or e-therapy. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to Spiritual Principles for Emotional Healing, and I am your host, Dr. Denise Johnson. And the topic for today's show is teletherapy or e-therapy. And my guest is licensed mental health professional, Denise Hill, from Treasure Chest Work in Delray Beach, Florida. So what are the risks of teletherapy for the client? Well, there are definitely some risks, right? Because we have so many different people out there that's just not as forthcoming and supportive as we'd like them to be. So we got hackers out there. There could be legal issues going on. There could be like a, um, there could be issues going on where 
the individual is trying to connect, and it could be a breach whether in the system, because sometimes computers are not programmed with the correct software to safeguard okay. information. It could be okay. technical issues, so they could be uh, in a crisis moment talking about something really um, personal, and then the computer will just goes down. have a glitch. Yeah. Yes, or go down, yes. So then one of the main risks of the client is that things that go on, I'm going to say over the Internet, is not secure. And I mean secure because of the technology. The technology can be hacked. Or somebody can be listening in, you know, that you don't know is listening in. Or if it's an email, emails can be intercepted. Or different things around the fact that the technology is not secure could render the, the person's information to be out there. It definitely makes it vulnerable. All right. And then what are the risks of the teletherapy for the therapist? Well, similar to the client, right? Because the personal information, well, for the therapist too, what makes it even more of a risk is the personal information of the client because sometimes a lot of the data is stored electronically. And if it gets hacked or if it gets breached or if it's shut down, and you struggle right. to get to it, that will definitely be a risk. Yes, and, mm-hmm. and, and I'm going to say that for people like me who are old school, you know, one of the, the main things they always used to drum into our heads is the confidentiality of the client's information, yes. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I mean, we as therapists go to great lengths to try to make sure people's information is safe. And I think that as an older therapist, it really would concern me about how accessible information is over the computer Mm -hmm. in comparison Mm -hmm. to having a a physical record in my office that's under multiple lock and keys. I know nobody's getting in there unless they break into the building, you know what I mean, and break Mm -hmm. into the office and then break Mm -hmm. into the, the, the chest as opposed mm-hmm. to the Internet where, you know, you, you get the idea that, you know, every, everybody's on the dark web and, you know, they're all trying to get your information. It, it just seems mm-hmm. a little bit more, it's a little bit more scary, I think, uh, I guess for the therapist and maybe for the client. Yes, yes. And the, the flip side of that, right, okay. would be what are the advantages of it. Right. Because right. while we always, no matter what the industry is, live with the fear of what if. What the therapist does, at least what I can speak to, is safeguarding it with encrypted software. So you want to have the modern up-to-date software. You want to have software that allows you to have encryptions where it's safeguarding not only you but also the patient's information as well, and also maybe having two or three different passwords similar to what a lock would be where you got to go through this door, this door, this door. A password would be, and a couple of them would be this door, this door, and this door electronically. So those are are safety measures that can definitely be taken and implemented. Excellent. So there are some things that can be done. That that makes me feel a little bit better. (laughs) Yes, definitely, right? Because to think that we're just exposed at the whim of trying to get help and I pick up the phone and I'm at risk, well, that alone is is stress-anxiety written. Right, right. And that kind of defeats the purpose of you seeking help because you're coming usually for your stress and anxiety. Yes. Yes. Yes, that's excellent. So So that's good to know. What types of issues seem best suited for teletherapy? 
Well, that's another interesting question, Dr. Okay. Denise. <laughs> so when you say suited for, right? Yes. <laughs> Any issue to me is suited okay. for electronic okay. therapy because by the time a person seeks out help, they're in pain of something. They're okay. usually in layers of pain, All right. and they've been All dealing right. with it, suffering in silence, as I call it, and trying okay. to find some relief. So my um, people that comes to me initially comes for substance abuse. So when okay. they search me out, whether it's on the web, whether it's on Psychology Today, or they just look at my website, right, okay. they'll see that I do substance abuse therapy. But as we get into okay. the issues, they'll realize that the substance is just a symptom of right. the other problems. And right. then when the other problems come, because they've done some work, have gotten a little comfortable, they're more likely to kind of want to explore and kind of okay. look at to see if this is something they get to address. All right. So then what you're saying is is that any issue that you would go to face-to-face therapy for could be served equally well with teletherapy? Definitely could. Yes, it could. Excellent. Excellent. All right, then. Um, How do you assess a client for appropriateness for teletherapy? Well, again, similar to traditional therapy, the person is seeking help. Mm -hmm. Whatever research they've done to find electronic therapists, and there's so many different vehicles for electronic therapy out here now, they're looking for some relief through something. So during an assessment, right, that's a great baseline to kind of see what are some of the issues, to see if some of the service that are provided fits the care that the individual may be looking for. Also, having a question and answer um, opportunity to be able to just kind of see, first of all, what is this? What does this entail? What does this what do I have to look forward to or what may I experience, right? So okay. having that exploration period can kind of help someone get a gauge. But it's beneficial for anyone that's open to want to delve into their darkest spaces. All right. Excellent. Excellent point. And then based on what you're saying, then I guess in some ways it's not really that different from what I do in my regular practice. So when I get someone on the phone that's calling to inquire about my services, I do spend 15 minutes with them about on the, on the phone, right, to find out what the issue is, the history of the issue, what it is they're looking for, and talk a little bit about how I think I can be of help or to recommend other things that I think might be helpful if I'm not the right one uh, to be exactly. able to service. And so, I, so I guess you kind of do the same thing then. And the and – In addition to that, you help them understand because it's virtual, because it's over the phone, helping them understand that component. It won't be face-to-face where they may long for face-to-face down the line because they've never done electronic therapy. They may not fully understand the dynamics that takes place in it. So to help them understand and navigate that, they may do one session and say, thank you, this was nice, but no, I'd rather go face-to-face. Excellent. So that, that's a great segue into my next question, which is what are the challenges in establishing a therapeutic relationship with someone that you've never seen face-to-face? It's a wonderful journey, and I can only speak for me as a therapist, right? Okay. So 
My navigation in connecting with someone is listening for what they're not saying. Okay. While they're asking questions and they're curious about what's going on, it's the angst that I'm hearing. Okay. So I try to help them kind of peek at it, not so much as look okay. at it, not too much work okay. on it, just kind of peek <laughs> and okay. see possibly maybe, possibly maybe could this be an opportunity for us to navigate this. And when I say us, well, now I'm inviting them into this journey as they've called and trying to see are we a good fit and trying to touch them and speak language that speaks to their whatever stuff is, whether it's angst, whether it's curiosity, whether it's fear, whether it's uncertainty, whether it's doubt, whether it's just simple pain and being able to let them know that I'm equipped enough with the tools to help them navigate that place that they may be stuck in and can't see clear. Yes. So it sounds like you're saying that even though it's not face-to-face, you're still attuned to the person emotionally. And when you are attuned to someone, I think people can feel that and sense that, whether it's Mm face-to-face or not. Um, Exactly. I would agree. And And, and when you feel someone gets you, listens to you, values you, it, it helps the relationship develop just like it would in the office. Yes. That's perfect. So how do you manage suicide and other crises in the virtual environment? There's another great question, Dr. Denise. (laughs) (laughs) Having resources and numbers available, first of all, right? It's like my wonderful arsenal of supplies in case I need it. Because the harm of what someone could do to to themselves and you can't get there in a quick amount of time definitely breeds concern. Being able to navigate with numbers, especially in being in the state of Florida, you kind of know the different numbers from the towns to whatever services they have. So if you need to make a call and send them to the person's place, you can at least do that safely. All right. Also networking with other professionals that may be close by can definitely be a benefit as well because their physical component can help where your non physical connection ends. All right. All right. All right. So then for example, if I think someone is actively suicidal, I could call what the police, or you have like mobile the police, crisis, the mental Florida. health, right? Definitely uh, mobile crisis, but maybe the the local mental health agency, because there's so okay. many different avenues willing to help someone, and all they need is the call to know. Okay. Sometimes, right? Sometimes there's someone else in the house that may be listening. Okay. Yes, okay. Right? So there's so many different avenues that you want to stay abreast of and try to help them with as much as you can. But having that resource, because it's over the phone, you want to be able to have the number readily available as opposed to trying to right. make a call to try to get another number because time, seconds, minutes yes. all matter in that crisis yes. state. Yes, mm-hmm. and, I, and I guess that this is one of those things when you are assessing someone for appropriateness or in the initial stages of, of working together, you'll get their contact yes. information, their emergency yes. contacts, right? You'll find out yes. where they and live. The, mm-hmm. so that, right? So then, and, and you probably will talk with them maybe about, well, if this Definitely. kind of crisis happens, mm-hmm. this is what we do. This is the protocol. All during, right. Yes, all during the assessment. 
the onset okay. of anything would be the best foundation to begin to explore everything that you think they may need to know if they decide to work with you. Okay. Are there any special ethical principles or concerns for therapists doing teletherapy? Well, definitely, because you want to stay abreast of what the governing body standards are. So whether you're working in an agency, whether you're being credentialed through a specific licensure board, you want to adhere to their standards and guidelines, and they could change. So you want to stay abreast and be flexible and navigate and make whatever changes within your professional journey that you're on to stay in line with all the changes that could take place. Right. And, you know, and, and the public may not even know that therapists typically do have a professional code of ethics mm-hmm. that Definitely. they are supposed to uphold mm-hmm. when they're working mm-hmm. with people. And my guess is that's not going to change whether it's face-to-face or whether it's, uh, you know, teletherapy. I guess exactly. I, I'm wondering, does teletherapy have any particular special ethics above what the profession has, or no, it's just in line with what the profession has? It's in a line with it, but I would also say that it's a little bit more sensitive because you are over the phone. And the safeguards has to be to where you do no harm to the client in any shape, form, or fashion. So if that means I have to keep the most updated software, the most updated encrypted files to safeguard their information, then I may have to invest a little bit more to safeguard them and myself as a practitioner because I become liable for anything that could happen to them while they're in my care. All right. What about legal issues like informed consent and confidentiality? I know we talked about that a little bit, but... Are there special things in relation to that uh, that are necessary when you're doing teletherapy? Well, that's kind of almost like a win-win because a lot of documents are electronic, right? So you send them, they sign them, and they send them back to you. Okay. When it comes to confidentiality, right, you get to discuss it, break down whatever components they need to zoom in on to understand it, the most, and then it just becomes a stored document. And okay. and a lot of different, not just practitioners, but a lot of different agencies use electronic forms. So they're okay. stored in a way where it's safety, but it's, it's explained in how it's stored so they have a peace of mind knowing that I, I not only find something, but I had a discussion, right, because a verbal discussion is just as important as a written signature. Yes. Because if all you do is have them just sign stuff, they may not understand nor comprehend. That's true. But to be able That's to true. explain it and ask questions and make sure that we both agree and are in the, uh, on the same path to understand, and then we can move forward together more empowered. Yes. Are there any jurisdictional issues or limits in teletherapy? You just have your list of questions. Oh, yes, I do. I did my homework. (laughs) I did my homework. So funny. So the licensure board for me would be the Florida Certification Board. And they have a strict adherence to the legislation that goes on within any realm of the credentialing that they offer. 
So okay. everything is up to date. We're aligned whether we're doing certification, recertification, renewal, to make sure that we're aligned with the best practices to help the population that we're serving. All right. All right. Interesting, interesting. I, I just wanted to add that I think that most places, well, why don't I say some places, some states these days, require that you can only do teletherapy with someone within the state where you are licensed. So, for example, I'm actually here in New Jersey, and there are plenty of times where, let's say I'm working with someone in New Jersey and they move, let's say they move to Florida. I'm not licensed in Florida, Mm -hmm. and so even though I know the client very well, I am not technically allowed to do Mm -hmm. teletherapy or any sort of e-therapy with that person over the phone or over the Internet because I have to work with someone in the state where I am licensed. And is is that the same for Florida as well? Yes, yes it is. Yes, it is. I can practice only in the state of Florida. And I found out that Florida is a nine-hour state, so there are a lot of people that I can reach from either end of Florida. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Well, you are, from a geographic standpoint, you do have the advantage over me in New Jersey because New gotcha. Jersey is not that big. You know, that's so funny. <laughs> that is so funny. Well, I think this is the perfect place for a break. Please join us after the break when my guest, licensed mental health professional, Denise Hill from Treasure Chest Work in Delray Beach, Florida, will talk more about teletherapy or e-therapy. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to Spiritual Principles for Emotional Healing, and I am your host, Dr. Denise Johnson. And the topic for today's show is teletherapy or e-therapy. And my guest is licensed mental health professional, Denise Hill, from Treasure Chest Work in Delray Beach, Florida. I know that, let's say in reference to Jersey, you know, we made those state laws back in a time when there was no such thing as the internet and telepsychology or teletherapy. Mm -hmm. And now Mm -hmm. that the borders of the United States have literally been opened up because Mm -hmm. of, you know, the internet, I'm wondering if, you know, somewhere down the line in the future, 
you know, younger psychologists are, are definitely going to say, well, this is ridiculous that we can only work with people within New Jersey, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. When, uh, right. This, you know, we are in a global economy, in a global world, and, and maybe mental health at some point needs to catch up with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's in the works now. Yes, I, I yeah. agree. It probably is. Okay. How did you prepare to become a teletherapist? Well, one of the things is having the right credentials to pair with the electronic, electronic therapist certificate. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. in the state of Florida, you have to have at least a master's degree okay. and you have to have what's called a certified addiction professional licensure. Okay. Okay. And those allow you to apply for the CET, which is the Certified Electronic Therapist Certification. And you have to make sure that you have the proper hours. You have to take still the ethics class. You still have to take some information about the uh, boundaries. And then you need to know some things about electronics therapy as well because they have a piece in there that you need to be um, knowledgeable about as you be holding this certification. All right. So then for the certification process, are there actually like classes that you take to learn that information, uh, well, online classes to learn that information? Or how, how do they disseminate the information to you? Well, you can definitely take online classes, but a lot of them are already taken care of through your classes that you've taken through your master's program because you have okay. to send them the transcripts through the school. They need You have to have so many hours in different domains mm-hmm. for understanding. And the newest component that they added was a lot of electronic stuff, which you can do okay. through online training or you can take a class for it. All right. So then, you know, I, I like, again, I, I'm old school, so I'm thinking – like if I wanted to get certified, I would need classes on, for instance, well, how do you do an assessment with someone for online therapy? What, what kinds of considerations would I need to have above and beyond what I have working with people in the office? Or how do I establish mm-hmm. rapport with someone, you know, um, right. in the virtual world? Do they have like those kinds of trainings or those, that type of information for like therapists to learn? Definitely. Those would be considered the continuing education credits okay. because okay. what you want to do is continue to change with the times. Because one day we could be, we're doing okay. this, right? One day we could be right. doing this by next week. We could be doing something else. So you want to yes. stay abreast of it. And even the right. encryption system. For the computer, okay. I'm working Changes. in this system one day. Well, someone found out this one is a little bit more lucrative and safe. Well, I need to invest in that to make sure, okay. right? And with all the education out there, it definitely makes you grounded more in the profession. And also what I would encourage people and listeners to do is to start with the credentialing board in their state. Okay. I know I was at the Florida Certification Board. So to be able to find out what are the guidelines and what are the criteria? They have a wonderful checklist to help you work okay. towards it. Oh, excellent, excellent. So the, the public can go on that website, and it will give them information on what to look for for a teletherapist or a therapist and in general yes. or both? Okay. A ther- for both. For both. Okay, mm-hmm. excellent, excellent. So how do you incorporate spiritual issues into your teletherapy? 
Well, that is definitely a client-based initiative. Okay. They have to bring it up. They have to All be right. interested in it, right? Okay. So yes. where I'm equipped with my spiritual grounding and my education was at um, Christian universities. I can't just throw that out there to them. Right. I right. have to respect their journey, and some of yeah. them may not understand it, right? Some of them okay. have been maybe raised religiously where they don't understand spirituality. Some of okay. them are so fed up, they don't want to have anything to do with it, so I can't okay. just throw it out right. there. So I wait for right. an introduction, and if there's okay. an introduction, I kind of massage it and kind of yes. explore to see what is it that you're asking because I don't yes. want to misunderstand what they're asking. Right. Because sometimes they just want to see, is it a possibility? They want to right. see, is there a connection? They want to see, could yeah. we even do work in there? Is there any work even available to do surrounding their issue? Yes. That's an excellent point. As therapists, one of our ethical principles are that we cannot right, impose our value system on the mm-hmm. people that we're working with. But I, I think that it's important for the public to know that times have changed in that if you do have a spiritual background or a spiritual orientation, I mean, that is just as open uh, to be worked with in your therapy as anything else that's important to you. You know, back in the days when I was in graduate school, a lot of times we had the separation of church and state, you know, and, and they discouraged us as therapists from talking with people about spirituality at all. But I think mm-hmm. that times have changed now. All right. All right, then. And so you did answer this a little bit earlier, but you were saying that how do we find a reputable teletherapist? Like what are some of the venues people can look at to find one? They can Google e-therapy. Oh, they you can? can. Also, okay. Yes, yes, you can just put in a electronic therapist and a whole list of people will come up. Okay. There's a lot of different people that does e-therapy. There's a lot of different agencies. There's a lot of different individuals. I just would encourage them to do research, and if they find a therapist, check the therapist out to make sure that they're credible, whether it's another avenue that they go on. Like I'm on Psychology Today, and I have my website. And you want to make sure that their licensure is up to date, right, the credentialings that I hold, the credentials that I hold, you can look on the Florida Certification Board to make sure that I'm up to date with my licensure, to make sure that it's active because people practice right. sometimes dishonestly. Right, right. And, and, you know, and I also think a lot of times the public doesn't know the distinction between, you know, some people advertise themselves as coaches and they do their coaching uh, online. And, you know, mm-hmm. if, and if you're looking for a more traditional therapist, like they would be like you with a master's degree or, or higher. And then, of course, if you're looking for medical services and psychiatric services, then you're looking for somebody that has a different type of mm-hmm. certification. So, again, you know, we're not – and each one of these groups of people will talk to you, and from the public's point of view, it might look like you're doing therapy with all of them but yes. it, it will be different based upon what the mm-hmm. credential is and what it is that exactly. you're looking for. So, so they need exactly. to be mindful of that. Excellent. Yes, Excellent. and one of the things I encourage people to do is kind of make a list of questions before you even start your search so you can kind of know what it is that you're looking for. Yes. Whether it's 
specific topics that you want, whether it's specific credentials, right? Because some people want you to be a Ph.D. and not just right. a master's. Some people need for right. you to be a master's and not just a, right. a, a bachelor's. Some people need for you right. to have extra credentialing so they'll know that you're, that you're um that you qualify in their area of struggle. Right. That's true. Mm-hmm. That is true. Excellent. Excellent. Well, you know, this has been an excellent and fascinating show, especially for me. <laughs> and I want to thank you so much oh, for bringing, so I'm going to laugh, for bringing me kicking and dragging into the 21st century, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I'm hoping that it will do the same for the audience, you know, to encourage people, you know, that in this day and age, there are so many ways that you can get the help that you need. There's so many ways to get support that you don't have to be limited the way people have been in the past. And so thank you for bringing this uh, to our attention today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me as your guest. It's been such a blessing. Okay. And if the audience wanted to reach out to you for more information, how would they go about doing that? Like I said, I have a website, and it's called treasurechestwork.com. I can also be reached online at Psychology Today. Okay. And I have a telephone number, which is 561-279-3903. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, you know, at the end of my show, I always ask my guests to say a prayer or a blessing or an Mm -hmm. affirmation over the Mm -hmm. audience about today's topic. And so I'm going to ask you to do that for me now. Wonderful. I would first like to start with the scripture, if I may. Okay. It's 2 Timothy 1.7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for who you are and what you've done. Asking, dear Lord, that everyone that's under the sound of my voice, that they may receive a blessing from you. Knowing, Father God, that you've created so many other vehicles and opened so many new doors for people to seek help that may be struggling. Help them to know, Father God, that it is not to rob them of anything, to take away from them, dear Lord, but to empower them to help them unravel some of the scars or stumbling blocks that may have them not seeing you clearly or not being able to live the life that they want to live. Let them know, dear Lord, that through the different vehicles that you have blessed people to navigate, that you have blessed people to get to school, and that you have blessed people with the wisdom and understanding, that we're here to be of service to you and to broaden your field and to bring others into your fold, dear Lord, so that we may be as army and we may stand and be strong arm in arm, trusting that you are our leader, our all in all, and our third finisher of everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen and amen. As we continue in prayer, dear Lord and Heavenly Father, I praise you and I thank you, O God, for another opportunity to speak your name. I praise you and thank you, O God, for giving us a venue in the marketplace, O God, where your delightful name has the preeminence, O God. I lift up my guest to you today, O God, Denise Hill. I thank you for her life, O God. I thank you, O God, for even the troubles that she experienced as a child and a young adult, O God. I thank you, O God, that it is through those life events and those troubles, O God, that you have birthed the destiny that you have in her, O God. 
that she has now positioned herself, O oh God, in you to be able to touch the lives of many others, O oh God. Not only, O oh God, in terms of traditional face-to-face -face therapy, but also in terms of this new thing, O oh God, that you were doing that is called e-therapy, O oh God, or teletherapy, O oh God. I speak life over her practice, O oh God. I ask you that you will open doors for her in new and exciting ways that are beyond her wildest dreams. I speak life over her clients, O oh God, that you would meet each one of them at their point in need, O oh God, and demonstrate your love, your grace, your mercy, your healing, and your change. I speak over the audience today, O oh God, any person in the audience who is hurting, anyone who is grieving, anyone who is in fear and pain, O oh God, anyone, O oh God, who has had horrible life circumstances, oh God, that now have them depressed and anxious and questioning what is to become, oh God. I just commit all of these sweet ones into your hands, oh God. I thank you that this show will be a springboard for them, oh God, to understand that there are new and living ways that they can reach out, oh God, and to get the support and the strength and the love that they need. I thank you that you will anoint their footsteps, you will order them, O oh God, that they will reach out to the right professionals, that they will, O oh God, overcome any sense of stigma or shame, O oh God, and allow these new technologies where you don't have to meet face-to-face -to, -face to be a encouragement to them, O oh God, that they can address the things that are laying on their heart. I just commit them, I commit this topic, I commit teletherapy, I commit e-therapy, oh God, I commit the mental health of everybody that is under my voice into your hands, and I thank you that you will breathe the breath of life on it, oh God, and as they are developing and growing in their humanity, oh God, that they will also have an unction to develop and grow in their faith and in their spirituality. I commit all of these things into your hands, all of these wonderful ones. I bless even this radio station, oh God. I commit my own life and those things that are on my heart into your hands. And we will always be mindful to give you the praise, the honor, the glory, and the love that is due your name. In the name of your holy and wonderful and beneficent and mighty Son, whom I adore and love with my whole heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You have been listening to Spiritual Principles for Emotional Healing, and I am your host, Dr. Denise Johnson, and this show will be available to you to listen to on my Facebook page at facebook.com slash spiritual principles for emotional healing. And you can also hear my show on Spotify. Because I am believing God that as you repeatedly listen to these prayers, He will heal your brokenness the same way He has used these prayers to minister to my brokenness. And lastly, I want you to always remember where your spirit leads, your emotions, power, and destiny will follow.